Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Summer is in full swing and there's so much going on at our church. Be sure to check the events section of our website or the Creekwood Church app to stay connected this summer. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. I want to start off with a question and spouses don't rat your significant other out, okay? How many of you tend to be a little bit confrontational? Raise your hand. If you're online, give me a digital hand raise in the chat. How many of you tend to be a little confrontational? I see a few spouses like, oh, uh, yeah, you're a little more confrontational than you think you are. Um, how many of you tend to be non-confrontational? You try to like kind of avoid that at all costs. Yeah, um, there's a lot there. Uh, just to be honest with you, I tend to fall in the confrontational side just a little bit. Um, maybe with talking to me on the weekends uh, with my like I'm behaving hat on, you don't realize that. But my wife would be quick to tell you that, yes, I fall on the confrontational side. Um, And actually, when I was in high school, one of my favorite classes, yes, was debate class. Uh, It was one of my favorites. And actually, my debate partner, um, her name was Sarah, and I, we were pretty good. And we were pretty good, not because we spent a lot of time researching the facts. I mean, I've heard stories of like people rolling in file boxes into debate competitions of, of research. No, that wasn't us. We were just really good at arguing with a brick wall. That's all it was. We were just really good at that. And uh, actually to the point where, and this is not something that I would, I'm not bragging about. It's just kind of matter of fact. Uh, there was a few debate competitions and individual debates where uh, the, the people we were going against, actually we, for some reason, it's not that we were mean, but they broke down in tears in the debate competition. I'm dead serious, that's not a joke. I don't know why, it's not like you're mean. I mean, there's rules in debate, but, um, so I, I love to argue. Uh, my wife uh, tells me sometimes that I debate a little bit too much in our relationship. Uh, I've been married for three and a half years and she'll be like, hey, you're arguing for the sake of arguing. Any of you ever hear that from your spouse? Um, I, again, I, I, can, I can debate anything. Um, and I don't really, she's not here. My, she's home with my son, he's sick. And so she's not here, but she's watching online. So she can't really defend herself. I don't always agree, but um, she's like, yeah, you're doing that. And we're just, we're just gonna leave that up for debate. So um, some of you will get that later. Uh, today, I actually, speaking of confrontational, I want to tackle a topic that tends to be a little bit confrontational. And so for those of you in the room and online and on the patio that are not real confrontational, um, just bear with me because our goal is to start out with this and then end up in a place of how do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we handle this topic? How do we handle this idea? And how are we biblically called to live out our life every single day? So For everyone in the room and everybody that's listening, I want you to lean in a little bit, figuratively roll up your pants a little bit. We're gonna get our hands dirty a little bit. Um, Stay with me and then let's come out the other side, hopefully learning something today. Today, I want to tackle the topic of cancel culture and how we should respond as a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Now, if you don't know what this is, I'm gonna define to give us a level kind of starting point because I know in the room that there's a lot of you that maybe you've heard this term. Maybe you've researched it. Maybe you know all about it. But then there's others that maybe you think you know, or maybe you're like, I've never heard that before in my life. Let me define it for us. Cancel culture is defined as this. It's the phenomenon or practice of publicly rejecting, boycotting, or ending support for particular people or groups because of their social or morally unacceptable views or actions. Now here's where the conflict comes. What's socially moral, moral, what is socially moral and acceptable? Because the challenge is, is I guarantee you if we went around this room and we talked about what was moral and acceptable, we would have different views. From one people group to the next, from one nation to the next, there is differences in opinion on what is moral and acceptable. Even within Christianity, there's differences in what is moral and acceptable. And here is where our conflict comes. And I've heard so many people talk about this and may, either they're, maybe they're for it or they're against it. And they're like, no, we shouldn't. And, and no, we should. And I mean, cause it's about being more moral and, and, and helping people understand that you can't be mean or, or whatever the reason. But my argument would actually be this, that cancel culture is not a new idea, that it's actually an age old issue that each and every one of us have dealt with and do deal with on a daily basis. And it's this idea that something about what you did offended me, and now I don't want you in my life or around me because of that. And when you think about this, think back to like, I mean, elementary school on the playground, right? Someone's mean to you, you and your group of friends, what do you say? Well, we're no longer friends, right? Go into junior high, go into high school. Somebody says something bad about the way you dressed or, or the car you did or didn't drive. And, oh, I'm not going to be friends with that person any longer. And we carry this into our daily, base, into our daily lives. You and your career, you and your relationship with your neighbors, with your family every single day. So what is offense? Just for the sake of a level playing field. Offense is defined as this, according to Webster. It's an annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult to or disregard for oneself or one's standards or principles. So here comes this idea of principles, right? Morals and all of this. But the thing about offense is it doesn't mean, it doesn't matter what you intended for me to hear. It's a perceived offense, right? So it's what I understand. And so no wonder when we're not in a place where we can have a conversation to fully understand something, it's really, really easy for us to take offense because I don't know what you meant. I can't go, okay, like, I, I mean, I'm taking this this way, but is this what you fully intended? And don't we do this every single day in our life? Think about it, like, right? Someone at your job takes credit for something that you did and they get the promotion, not you. And so what comes into your mind? Man, I hate them. Man, I don't like them at all. They're so self-promoting, right? Someone didn't respond to your dinner invite. Uh, you reached out to that person you're trying to get to know. Hey, you wanna go to dinner on Friday night and you didn't hear from them. And so then maybe that happens once or twice and what do you do? You stop sending the invite. You go, no, 
I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna put myself out there for rejection anymore. Um, someone's mean to your kid at school or on the playground, and then that parent is now your arch nemesis, right? Come on, mama bears, where you at? I know, right, but th- this is what we do every single day. I've heard of friends and family members that literally will not talk to each other because of the way the other person voted in their political views. Right, we live in this idea of no, 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 some way you offended me, whether you intended it or not, so I'm going to block you out of my life. But I think we know this and the reality is, is that if we're looking for offense in our life, we're gonna find it every single day in everything that we go into. We're gonna find it. And that brings us to this main point for us today is what is our response to offense? And not just what is my first response, but as a follower of Jesus, what should my Jesus response be to that? Because that's what we're all striving for, right? That's the Christian faith is I start here, I accept Jesus Christ into my life. And then I am on this lifelong journey to be more like Jesus every single day. So I want us to start off um, looking at God's word in Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Romans chapter 12, we're gonna start in verse nine to lay this foundation. And in this, Paul is, is the author of Romans and he is giving guidelines to how we are supposed to live as Christians in a fallen sinful world. And so we're gonna pick this up, Romans 12, nine, says this, and it's a whole list of things that we should do as followers of Jesus. Love, our love must be sincere. We should hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keeping our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and we should share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Okay, there's like seven different sermons we could do messages right there in that, at least if not like nine or 10, okay? But I want us to focus in on the last part of verse 10 because I think it says something to us that we can take and will hopefully change our perspective of how we think about offense and whatever that is, cancel culture, the offense of your daily life and what you walk through. And it's these words, honor one another above yourself. So last time I spoke about a month ago, month and a half ago, we talked about God's word. And if, if you didn't hear that, um, I want you to know, so the, the New Testament, which is where Romans is, was originally written in Greek. And we uh, read a translation and there's different, slightly different versions because as you know, the English language is really confusing and different words mean different things and the same words mean different things and all of this. But it was originally written in Greek and this word honor in the original language is the word time, time. Looks like time, but it said time. And here's what it means. It means to value, to respect or highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. So take that word, put it back into verse, the end of verse 10, honor one another above yourself. So we are to value one another above yourself. You're to respect one another above yourself. You're to treat one another as more precious than yourself. You're to put more weight and value on one another than you are yourself. The opposite of that 
is dishonor, which tears down, it devalues, it takes lightly someone. And so when we begin to think about this, I believe where we get off on this idea of honor is that we flip honor and respect in our head. Because respect is something that's earned and can be lost, right? I, I, you, I can have your respect and I can do something and I can lose your respect. I remember hearing this um, from my parents as a kid, right? You, 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 you lied, you did whatever, you lost our respect, you lost privilege because of that. But that's different than honor because honor is something that is given despite actions. And, and we have to keep that straight because where we're going with honor, we have to understand that it is despite actions, it's despite sin, it's despite the way someone lives their life. And here's what we tend to think about honor. We tend to think that once you're honorable, I'll honor you. But if you've ever seen it maybe in your relationships, in your friendships with your kids, is if you honor them, isn't it funny how they tend to become more honorable the more you honor them? And the more you dishonor someone, the more you tear down, the more you nitpick them, the more you tell them how, how bad they are or how bad their actions are, they tend to become more and more dishonorable. So the more honor we give, the more honorable they become, the more we dishonor, the more dishonorable they become. And I think that right there, like we can end the message, take that, use that with your kids, use that in your marriage, your life will be changed, right? But how does that actually look? How do we know what this is? And what's fascinating to me about the idea of honor, and I, I had not seen this before. I was studying, uh, I think it was Tuesday morning, I was working on this message and I was reading this verse that I'm about to read to you and something hit me and I thought about something in a way that I've never thought about it before. Um, it is this idea, and then I'm gonna read the scripture to you, that not only is there a physical, emotional response that we have to honor, right? So not only if you give honor, you're more honorable. If you dishonor, you're more dishonorable, but there's actually a spiritual response to honor or the lack thereof. Uh, Mark chapter six is the words of Jesus. And Jesus has been traveling and he is going to his hometown. And, and there's something about this that jumped out at me that I think speaks to this in a big way. Starting in verse one of Mark chapter six, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked, what's his, this wisdom that has been given him? What are these re remarkable miracles that he's performing? So Jesus is teaching and they, are, they, they begin to go, oh my goodness, there's so much wisdom. He's so smart. He's doing miracles. God's using his life. And they are honoring and lifting Jesus up. But then something shifts. In verse three, they go, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simeon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So Jesus is teaching, performing miracles, and they go, wait a minute, like, isn't his family, don't they live down the street? Don't we know them? Do you know what he is? You know what his dad was a carpenter? Do you know these things? And Jesus said to them this, he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town 
among his relatives and in his own home. Verse five, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. What's so interesting is in verse five there, it says not that Jesus didn't do miracles. It says he could not do miracles. So think about this in your life. Offense leads to a lack of honor and a lack of honor leads to a lack of faith. So if Jesus dealt with this, how much more do we deal with this? How much has an, a lack of honor in your life towards your parents, towards your boss? I mean, we can go down the list, right? Towards your spouse, towards God himself. How much of that lack of honor has kept your prayers from being unanswered? How much has a lack of honor in our life how much has it uh, made us miss out on miracles that God wanted to perform in our life, but he literally could not because of a lack of honor in our life? How much blessing over your life have you missed out on because of a lack of honor? You see, not only is there this personal relational response, there is a spiritual response to honor in our life. You know, I look back at my life and and I have, my, I have been blessed in so many amazing ways. Amazing parents, grew up in a great church, great example, so many incredible friends across the years. Um, just God's direction on my life. And I'm not that smart, right? Like I'm just not. And I look back at it and I think a lot of it has to do be of at a young age, my parents taught me to honor. They taught me, right? And it started with, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And then that built and they taught that as I grew up and I carried that into my job and into my daily life and into, like I was taught, you don't talk bad about the president, you pray for them. All of these things in my life and I truly, truly believe a reason where I am today is because I was taught to honor at a young age. So that brings us to this point. How do we do this? How do we honor? What does this look like in our life? And, and there's a lot of, of scriptures and example, uh, examples throughout the Bible on this, but I wanna, I wanna focus in on several uh, here today. And, and the first one is very foundational, but we have to start here and that's, we have to honor God. We have to honor God because everything else we do comes from this. And here's some ways that we do that. We do that with our resources, right? Um, in Proverbs 3, 9, this, this verse talks about um, honoring God with the first fruits of our harvest. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a farmer. I don't have a harvest. Um, and so for me, the way that I do that is I do that through um, my paycheck. And the first 10% of what I get, the first of that goes to God. I, I have tithed my whole life. Again, was taught that at a very young age by my parents when they were teaching me to budget and everything else was the tithe and the importance of that because that puts God first above everything else in my life. Um, I think another area that we honor God is in worship, right? We just, we just worshiped, we just sang. And then the second song was all about honoring God and how we should honor him, not because of what he's done for us, but just because of who he is. Right? There's a reason we start service off with worship because when we honor God, it aligns our heart and our mind to be able to hear what God has for us. Again, there's this spiritual response when we honor and we honor God with our lives. 
As a follower of Jesus, there should be places that we don't go. There should be things that we don't do because the daily walk of our life honors him through our actions. And we should be growing spiritually, right? We grow spiritually through reading God's word, through, through um, prayer, through worship. Um, I, I remember speaking of honoring God and the importance of it. I remember as a young kid, I mean, I could probably count on one hand the number of times we ever missed church growing up. And I got to a point in my life where I looked at some of that and I was like, man, that's a little bit legalistic and that sort of thing, which it can go there, right? It can go there and it can be to an unhealthy point. But the idea of learning as a kid, the importance of growing spiritually and church and worship and hearing a message that can challenge us, right? All of that points towards an attitude of our heart to honor God. All right, the second one, probably gonna ruffle a few feathers here, is we need to honor those in authority. Honor those in authority. Um, I love what Romans 13, well, I don't always love it, but it's a good one. Romans 13, one and two says, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. All right, these are strong words. And more than likely, there's a little bit of you that just went, I don't really like that. It's supposed to do that, one. But two, there's a lot of verses in scripture that talk about honoring authority. Now there is a line between speaking up and all of that and when we should speak up and when we should do things to whether through elections or maybe protests and things. However, and we said it earlier, there is a difference between disagreeing and dishonoring. There's a difference. You can disagree and still honor someone. It's not about their opinions, their beliefs, right? We get into that respect category versus honor. No, it's about honor. Because I'll just be completely honest. When I look back and I think about our past, and I know we all go to national leaders, right? That's where I think our mind goes. And this goes much further, deeper than that into our daily lives and those we, we interact with. And we'll get to that in a minute. But when it comes to national leaders, there's been some that I agree with more than others. There's been some that I disagree with more than others. There's been some that I'm like, their actions, their policy, I don't like them. I don't think it lines up biblically, but that's not an excuse for me to dishonor them. And when it comes to this, I think this area in the last few years is one of the biggest areas where as followers of Jesus Christ, y'all, we've just messed up. Every one of us, we've messed up. No matter what side of the political aisle you are on, no matter what your personal opinion is, I think there is a lot of us that have messed up because this is not just about what you post on Facebook. It's what you say in your home in front of your kids. So not only do we have governmental authority, we have work, school authority. Um, you know, if you're in school, this is your teachers. This is your principal. Um, if you're at work, this is uh, your boss. That VP you hate, right, that has offended you, are you honoring them, right? According to scripture, we are called to honor in every area of our life. 
And as I said, I think my life is where it's at because I was taught to do that at the beginning. And I know Creekwood has a lot of families. Parents, let me speak to you for just a minute. How are you doing um, on this with your kids? Are you teaching them at a young age? Like I said, for me, it was the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Like that's where it started. That's where my wife and I are gonna start with our son is, hey, we're gonna teach to honor in the home because then if we teach that, then he'll honor at school and then in his job and then with his future spouse, right? Are you being intentional with teaching honor in the home so that your kid can do this the way God intended and maybe better than we can? Right? Maybe you weren't raised that way. Maybe this is something that because of how you were raised, you fight against so much. But you have as parents an opportunity to set this straight. You know what? Your job as parents is not to be your kid's best friend. It's to be their spiritual authority, to guide them in life and to give them the tools to walk through life in a way that honors Jesus and is in a growing relationship with Jesus. All right, I gotta move on because we stayed on that one a little while. Number three, honor our parents, honor our parents. All the parents said, all right. I I literally, some of the people before saw this and they're like, oh, I'm gonna go get my kids out of class. I'm gonna bring them into service because I want them to hear this. A lot of scripture on this, Exodus 20, 12, Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Um, And all the parents are like, yes, I want my kids to honor me. They need to hear this. Parents, the question I would ask you is how do you do about your parents in front of your kids? Because if you dishonor your parents, why would your kids honor you if that's the example that you set? Um, Right? It's not if, and this is a good thing for you. This is grace for you. But this is also for you when you think about your parents and how you talk in front of your kids. It's not if they're a good parent. It's not if you like them. It's not if they did something wrong to you, right? That's respect. You cannot respect a parent because of actions. Doesn't mean biblically that we shouldn't honor them. You see, you start at the young age with the kids so that as they grow older, they can. And here's the thing about this. We say young age, but it's never too late to begin to teach that. It's never too late to begin to change how we do this, to have the conversation of, hey, your kid's a teenager and to go, you know what? I've messed up on this. Hearing you say that and ask for forgiveness about something like that can be the most powerful freeing thing for you and for your family. So don't think just because I didn't start when they were 10 months old, like my kid, that you can't do that and you can't see that in your life because it's called forgiveness, it's called redemption. And that is what Jesus is all about. Moving on, we need to honor our pastors and spiritual leaders. Um, I don't want to sound self-serving here. This is not about me. I don't need a pat on the back. That's, I just, that's just not me. But I want to tell, talk to you about this because I think this is so important because I think a lot of us think about this in just regards to like Pastor Stephen. And that's very true. We should absolutely honor our pastor. I love Pastor Stephen. I have served under him um, attending this church and on staff for a lot of years. Um, if only you knew the blood, the sweat, the tears, the hours, the sacrifices that went in to this place being what it is today and what it is on a daily basis. Um, And we would be falling all over ourselves to honor Pastor Stephen. But it goes beyond that. 
It goes to how are you honoring your life group leaders, your volunteer team leaders? How are you honoring that spiritual mentor in your life? What does that look like for you? It could be a little bit different. Maybe it's the volunteers that are taking care of your kids and teaching them right now. Like I honor the Critters volunteers that when my son's not homesick, are teaching him at 10 months old that Jesus loves him and wants to be his friend forever. That is powerful and I honor them because that's a sacrifice. Being a life group leader and opening up your home and cleaning your home and planning a message and, and, or a discussion, all of that is a sacrifice and we should honor them. And we can, should, can sit here and go on and for the sake of time, we're not gonna be able to hit it all, but we're called biblically to honor age. We're called to honor marriage, our spouse. And ultimately at the end of the day, we are called to honor all people above our self. Romans 12, 10, we read it earlier. Honor one another above yourself. Little self-reflection. Hearing all this, just you yourself right now, just focus for a minute. As a follower of Jesus Christ, how are you doing on this? How are you doing on this? I would dare say every single one of us has at least a little, if not a lot of room to improve in this area of honor. And I love what Romans 12.10 in the English standard version says, because I think that this really um, frames how our minds should think about it. And it says this, we should outdo one another in showing love, or in, sorry, in showing honor. Should outdo one another in showing honor. Um, because, why? Just because God said? No, there's a bigger reason, and I want to illustrate it in this way. Um, you may have heard of a baseball player by the name, um, he's kind of popular, uh, Babe Ruth, anybody? Um, the great Bambino, I mean, Sultan of Swat, Home Run King, all these things, part of baseball lore. Um, we actually have a picture of Babe Ruth. I mean, you've seen many, many pictures of him. Um, and he signed a lot of baseballs. But did you know that Babe Ruth signed only seven baseball bats? Only seven. And I actually have, Charlie, would you bring that to me? I actually have one of those bats here that I wanted to show you. I'm just kidding, y'all. How awesome would that be? How awesome. I wish. It would not be here if I had it, okay? Um, this is a Major League Baseball bat, but it was not signed by Babe Ruth. Um, but there's only seven. And the gentle, one of the gentlemen that owns the seventh, one of the baseball bats um, was near his end of life. And he didn't have any family to pass this bat on to, uh, didn't have any close friends he really wanted to give it to, but there was a nurse that had taken really good care of him near the end of his life. And before he passed, he gave her this home run bat. And she didn't really know what to do with it. And all the sports people in the room are gonna cringe when you hear this, if you've never heard this story before. So she took it home and put it underneath her bed. And there it sat for 18 years, dead serious. Nobody knew where it went. Nobody knew what had happened to Babe Ruth's home run bat. Here's this bat, this piece of wood, but because of a signature on it carried so much value. She didn't know what she had. Dog could have chewed it up. You know, any sort of stuff could have happened. House could have burnt. Nobody would have known. She gets close to retirement. She always had this dream of opening a restaurant. 
And so she thinks to herself, she goes, I wonder if that bat has any value. Pretty funny, huh? She takes it to the local memorabilia shop and just imagine being that person when this bat walks in with this lady signed by Babe Ruth. My first thought would be, it's a fake, it's a forgery. No, they, they check it out, it, it's the real thing. So in 2006, she puts it up for auction to raise money to open this restaurant and the bat auctions off for almost $1.3 million. Under her bed. So she opens the restaurant and she takes the rest of the money after opening the restaurant and she donates it um, to this cause that Babe Ruth loved and was passionate about. And the media, they didn't understand. It didn't make sense. And she says this, she says, the bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. Since he made it valuable, the only reasonable thing I could do was something that would honor his life. So she gives the money back. But what's the difference between a bat and a one point almost $3 million bat? The name that was on it. Charla, to take this. Why do we honor? Because of the name that is on every single one of you. You were created in God's image. The name of Jesus is on you. And when we dishonor anybody, y'all, this convicts me because I've been there, I've made those mistakes. It's hard. There's times I dishonor my wife or friends or whatever, but it, we as followers of Jesus Christ can't not show honor to someone because the name of Jesus is on their life. The name of Jesus is on your life. We're called to live a different way because of Jesus and because the name that is on your life. Your life has value and the life of every single person we interact with has immense, immeasurable value. We can't afford to get this wrong. And you talk about something that'll change your marriage. You talk about something that'll change your family, that'll change your family's legacy. That, I mean, like, let's not even talk about what it would do if every one of us in Creekwood Church changed the way we honor in this city and in this area. It's a moment of self-reflection. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? You know, if you're in this place and you've never accepted Jesus Christ um, into your heart, listening online, maybe later this week, you're driving in the car and listening to this. The name of Jesus is already on your life. God created you. And he knew you would be hearing these words in this moment. And God's word says that if we admit that we have sinned, if we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, we give our life to him and ask forgiveness for our sins and invite him into our heart that he will come into our life and he will make us a new creation. And that is the starting point in a lifelong journey of purpose and of meaning to be more like Jesus every single day. And that is a simple prayer right there where you're at that you can pray and invite him to come into your life. For everyone else that has already accepted Jesus Christ in your life. And my hope today is that I've given you something to run after, something to push towards, 
in honoring one another above ourselves, that we would try to outdo one another in showing honor. God, I just ask, God, and I challenge all of those that are, are listening to this as Creekwood Church, that we would be a place of honor, God, that we would be a place that stands apart as different as the followers of Jesus Christ because of how we honor one another, how we honor those we don't agree with, how, how we honor those that may look and live different than we do. God, that when we don't agree, that you would help us to, to love them and to honor them above ourselves. God, give us the strength and the power to do that every single day. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask this. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love our YouTube channel. Subscribe at youtube.com slash Church for video messages and full services uploaded weekly.